of the awful realities of coronavirus is that it targets some of us more than others. We know it disproportionately affects people from black and minority ethnic backgrounds, those with underlying health conditions. It can be worse if you're overweight and it also affects more men than women. But official figures out today also suggest people living in more deprived areas of England and Wales are more likely to die with coronavirus than those in more affluent places. Let's try to understand what's going on here. Helen Barnard is the acting director of the Joseph Roundtree Foundation. Hello, Helen. Hi, Stephen. Hello there. And Will Strong is co-director of the think tank Autonomy. Good evening, Will. Good evening. Hi. Helen, help us understand from your perspective what's going on here. Well, I think well, you're right. I mean, I think it's it's really sobering that people in the most deprived areas are more than twice as likely to die from COVID as people in the least deprived. And part of this is about the fact that before this pandemic ever hit, there were massive health inequalities. So people who are on lower incomes are much more likely to have worse physical and mental health and to have shorter lives. And it's a build-up of all the things that living in poverty means. So if you're on a low income, a lot of the time you've got constant anxiety. So people, the stress of trying to make ends meet when you just haven't got enough money to cover the basics. You've often got people who are going out to low-paid, insecure, hard jobs, which are putting a lot of pressure on their health. And people are more likely to be living in homes that are overcrowded, that are damp, that aren't healthy. So all of those things come together and mean that people are a lot more likely to have underlying health conditions. Then you add on top of that, that if you think about COVID and how it, how you keep yourself safe, people on low incomes are much less likely to be able to work at home. So what we've seen is a lot of people who are in the position that either they lose their jobs, they've taken an hour's cut, big drop in income, or they're actually in a job which is taking them out to the front line, whether they're a healthcare assistant in a care home working in a supermarket, delivery driver, people who are out there helping the rest of us stay healthy and safe, but they're at much more risk. And then you can see people going home to houses where there's lots of people, it's overcrowded, so whole families get put at risk. And all of that is combining to leave these really pretty tragic uh, consequences. Will? Yeah, so I, I just want to agree with, with what's been said, really. Um, at Autonomy, we've done a, a kind of study on, on risk and occupations. Um, and so what we found, we kind of broke down every occupation according to um, the level of physical proximity to others and also the level of day-to-day exposure to diseases. So, um, you know, as you know, this, the, the COVID-19 uh, virus is almost is transmitted by touch and through, through breathing. And, and so this is quite a good metric to kind of measure which occupations put which Dr. Pippa Metcalf is also with his consultant physician in acute medicine at Gloucester Royal Hospital. Hello to you, Pippa. Hello, Stephen. 
Hi, you're the lead fellow for Health Inequalities and Inclusion Health. It's really concerning this because it's something that we cannot turn around quickly, of course. And if those people in deprived areas are more likely to die, then how can we help them more and more quickly than others? I mean, absolutely right. And as Helen described, it was a perfect storm because there were these shocking health inequalities before the epidemic started. I mean, we knew earlier this year that the poorest were dying 20 years younger than the richest in this country. This shocking gap um, that we, we knew about. We knew about this even before any virus turned up. And we have turned a blind eye to this terrible, terrible injustice in health. So going forward, what can we do? Um, I mean, the first thing we can do is raise the uh, national living wage, um, and that immediately would help. And if we could get that up, that would help families and children. Um, We can immediately look at more suitable housing, although, of course, there is always a shortage. But interestingly, as a slight aside, the government really stepped up with the homeless, and this has been an outstanding success in that the government realised the homeless were particularly vulnerable and injected funds to local health authorities and just we were able to sweep them all off the streets. Um, Four and a half thousand beds were found in London. Uh, We've housed 150 in Gloucester and it's just been amazing um, that where there's a will there's a way and some money obviously and um, we've had this ideal fantastic opportunity now to get the homeless off the streets and hopefully Hopefully, um, the government will help us now not send them back to the streets. So there are ways of immediately responding to this crisis. And I think just raising national living wage, shortening the time to receiving universal credit are two things they could do, you know, overnight that would help a lot. Um, It won't help the immediate housing problem. But having found these beds for the homeless, you know, you do wonder if if there is something there we could do for this terrible overcrowding well, well quite frankly I, I wonder how come we've found the beds now when we really need to and, and we didn't Helen Bernard in the past well, I think it's so. What's so? What we've seen at the moment is a very short term. Is people being moved into basically temporary accommodation? Mostly, there are lots of hotels not being used, and so on. I think what we need to do though is make sure that when that comes to an end, because travel lodge and other hotels will need their rooms back. We need to make sure we move people out into permanent, secure homes. Now, one of the things the government has done is to raise how much housing benefit you can get. And they've made it so you can get enough to cover the bottom third of rents in your area, which is a very good step to take. But we think one thing they need to do is boost that higher because there's an awful lot of people who can't move house at the moment and they're building up rent arrears. And those are going to hit at some point probably after some of the support that's been put in gets taken away again. So one of the things we need to do is really think about making sure that we get more low-cost rented homes so that people can go there permanently and that we don't have to suddenly scrabble around sweeping people into hotel rooms because they've got a secure home, which is, you know, that's what all of us need to build our lives on. What are the implications here, uh, Dr Pippa Metcalf, if this does go on, for many, many more months, if this goes on into next year and beyond, because life is not going to return to normal, let's face it, until there's a vaccine. So as every month goes on, what impact is that going to have 
on on those groups who are are already uh, finding it tight and 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 have been struggling to survive for 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 their entire lives. Oh, you're right, Stephen. Um, because poverty is such a complex issue, and it's such a sort of cycle um, of terrible, you know awful upbringing leading to poor mental health, physical health, even from childhood into poor employment, into poor housing. So you're absolutely right to even say all these things and what is going to be the way forward. I mean, already in my own food bank, we've tripled our output in the last you know, few weeks. Um, and I think you're right that this has got to be a, cha- a chance for the government now to, to say, Look at this terrible inequality. Let's do something about it now. There's going to be people starving. There's going to be people, um, as Helen said, who can't afford their rents. You know, let's act on this now. And, and, And I just think that maybe, just maybe, looking at the work they've done with the homeless and looking at the report today that came out about this horrible injustice, that they will step up. That's all we can hope. And get that living wage up, get that universal credit sorted, get the housing sorted, um, and just hope, because we cannot go on. I mean, already, not only is there this 20-year disparity um, in, in life expectancy, but women are now dying younger than they did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And so this coronavirus is just highlighting this horrible horrible situation and finally will strong if the government is going to have less revenue because businesses are not going to be as affluent as they once were that means less money for public services that means less support for some of those groups who need it the most well i'm not sure i agree with that i think i think i think it's sure that you know there'll be a less less revenue coming in from tax, but also we have to think about larger measures. I mean, the previous speaker spoke about, um, you know, the, the, the extent that the state can do things, which previously, you know, many pundits were saying they simply couldn't do or shouldn't do. You know, what about a wealth tax? What about a carbon tax? Things like this. I think these, these, are, these are questions which are now on the table and are being talked about very seriously as ways of, actually, it's not just about the sheer amount of wealth, but how that wealth is distributed. As we've seen, you know, we have essential key frontline workers um, who are paid you know, poverty wages or, or less than median wage. So it's about revaluing that work and also spreading that ethos across the whole economy. Maybe maybe it hasn't been right that the inequality has been rampant. Maybe it's not right that this is a huge um, kind of disparity between wealth and income. And actually, it's, it's, it's not a simple zero-sum game. It's about distribution. Okay, Will and, sorry, Will and Pippa and Helen, thank you very much. Uh, if you don't mind, thank